I'm so glad you've joined us. My name is Sharon Feckety, the host of the Broken Road to Mental Health podcast. So we are all on this broken road together, everybody. We are under construction and we're going to go through this together. One of the reasons I decided to create this podcast was because the only way to normalize this conversation about mental health is continue to have it. So you will be hearing from some very special people on this podcast, people that have lost loved ones to suicide or overdose, uh, mental health professionals, people that are trudging the road through recovery right now as we speak, people that are on the other side and offering tips to all of us that are still under construction. Thank you for joining us. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. Very happy today to bring you yet another wellness warrior. Her name is Sarah Laurel, and she is the founder of Savage Sisters Nonprofit. And she's from Philly. So what, what? You got a New Yorker and a girl from Philly. We're going to keep it real. We're going to keep it authentic. Um, very excited to have this conversation. I know that um, you're recovering as well from substance use disorder, so we have a lot in common, and um, and I'd like to share some resources and some help and a little bit of your journey for the audience so they don't feel so alone. So Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. So I'm loving, of course, um, the purplish blue hair. So if you're uh, listening and not watching, you don't get to see Sarah's amazing hair. You could tell right away she's not the shy type. <laughs> And you really don't uh, need to be the shy type when you're talking about things like we're going to talk about today. So Sarah, would you give the audience a little background into your why and why you came into this work? Absolutely. Um, so why did I come into this work? I got sober and felt that there was a, a really big need for it. I, mm -hmm. it happened. I always, it was very organic. I had been through uh, treatment about 28 times. I'd been to jail. I'd been um, to several different sober living quote unquote mm -hmm. facilities. Mm -hmm. And um, it was just a revolving door for me. So when I, I experienced a trauma and I was in a wheelchair and it was kind of like my entry into my new life of trying to stay sober. And I wanted to be able to offer the things that I was discovering to other women in a household setting where, you know, there is a 12 step fellowship, which I am a part of, and I love, and I do the steps and I'm in service, but there's also this other part of mental health that wasn't, it can't be addressed in the rooms of a 12 step fellowship in, in any kind of depth. So that was kind of how I started doing um, the whole health management housing. Um, mm -hmm. It was a result of me experiencing healing from it and wanting to help other women that were my friends get that same kind of access, um, regardless of like your socioeconomic past. You know, it's not when you come from homelessness, you don't walk through the door of a recovery house and they're like, hey, do you want to heal? They basically say, here's a bed, stay sober, go to a meeting. And like stuff does eat, like no more, that's it. Stop talking. You know, we don't want to hear anything else about it. Um, and as a woman, especially the trauma that you endure is unwelcome. 
in a sharing capacity in those rooms. And so what do we do? We have to find other outlets for it. And that's what Savage Sisters really, that was the core of it. And then obviously the outreach was just about um, unconditional ferocious love and, and, and delivering it radically to anybody, regardless of where they are. It's not conditional on sobriety. Mm, love it. Okay. So many questions popping up 28 times. Did you say? Yeah. I don't want to brag. <laughs> <laughs> You're winning. Yeah. Totally yeah. beating me. <laughs> yeah. 28 times. Hard. That's amazing. Yeah. And ha- do you mind me asking? I mean, I will, I'm 49. I got sober at 21. So how old are you now? I'm 35. And, um, in 2017 in the summer is when I was, uh, assaulted in the, ended up in a wheel. I was almost murdered in Kensington. And that was when I got sober. Now, since then I started Savage Sisters and did all of those things. However, my sober date is, um, 2019. I did have a relapse. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I came right back from it and I had all this like support. And, um, so my sober date changed, but the mission didn't. That's okay. Listen, my sober date changed a few times before I decided that, you know what, they might be right. I might actually be wrong. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Who knew? So, um, interesting that, uh, I think doing this show and writing a book about mental health has opened me up to many things I didn't even know about, uh, when it comes to, um, 12 step recovery and mental health. Um, there's this great pamphlet, um, that's called AA for alcoholics with mental health issues. And I don't know if you've ever seen it. Have you ever seen it? Yeah. But like, I, I never read it. They have them in like, I used to be the intergroup rep and they have all those pamphlets, but mm-hmm. no, I never read that. For sure. So is that because no, that's okay. I, I'm literally reading it right now. I only read it because I do a group with, of people that have mental health issues that are also sober. Um, and we're reading it together. Cause I myself would never pick up a pamphlet and read it, you know, as much as I'm 49, I'm a digital girl. And, um, if I can't listen to it or, uh, have it in a one minute clip, I'm probably not going to know too much about it. So, um, so I'm interested, do you mind sharing a little bit more about what happened to you and, and that trauma? Because myself included, I think all of the trauma, especially as a woman, um, that I endured, I did not did not always associate it with my addiction and my alcoholism, but it has continued to be a a big talking point with my therapist. So (laughs) do you mind sharing a little bit about that? Um, so I, like before I got sober, I, um, there's the trauma, the one, the wheelchair that sounds like that. Yeah. That, that was a fun time. Um, so the summer that summer, right in 2017, before I got sober, um, I was homeless in Kensington, which is uh, the last remaining open air drug market in America. And uh, it's very dangerous environment. Um, And I also ran alone. So I was like a solo chick, just kind of running through Kensington. Um, I, that summer was really bad. I I experienced sexual assault and um, I was there I'm not going to get into everything, um, but I was stabbed. And then at one point I was in a trap house, which is where they sell drugs. Mm-hmm. And I was on the second floor and I got into an altercation with three individuals who were selling drugs and there were no screens or windows in the actual windows. And I got pushed and I fell backwards out the window. Mm. Um, I was then 
dragged to a vacant lot and they beat me and left me there. I was found several hours later, taken to the ER trauma unit. And um, I was in ICU for about 11 days and I had to have several surgeries on my hip and my leg. Um, I had a hole the size of a closed fist in my hip bone. So my leg was broken and my knee was broken and my fib was broken and my ankles and my nose mm. and a couple ribs and I fractured my shoulder blade. My goodness. Um, so I was there for quite some time and um, I had to learn how to walk again. And then I was, I was wheeled into my first meeting at that point. Mm. And I, and I, I say that because I definitely wasn't walking in with my head held high. I didn't have an intention on staying sober and I wasn't really certain that it was a possibility. Mm -hmm. Um, but my body being broken was nothing compared to like my spirit. My spirit was just completely shattered at that point. And I, I had just kind of, I was like, I'm just going to die this way, you know? Um, and I was angry that I was in a wheelchair and that I had to learn to walk again. Cause I was like, this is just a prolonged death for me because I will, I will die with a needle in my neck. Um, that was the certainty in my life at that point. Um, but for some reason, you know, the ability to not to like sit still because I was in a chair mm -hmm. uh, it forced me to kind of go through some feelings that I, I didn't want to do I couldn't take any pain medication I could only take ibuprofen I was living in a sober house um which became Savage Sisters and uh it just slowed me down enough and uh yeah that's how I got sober I love it so how you know, there's so many people that ask me about, you know, my bottom and somebody like you, right? Like how long do you have when somebody asks that question? Cause there's so many bottoms and so many recovery opportunities. Um, and then this time around being, you know, the last and starting this wonderful nonprofit for, um, other women that have been through similar situations, you know, what would you say to somebody today that asked you, um, what was it? What was that thing that got you to a place where you were ready to, you know, put the gloves down and take on this recovery journey? It wasn't one thing. Okay, so more. It was, it was the perfect storm. The temperature was right. Mm -hmm. and, and everything kind of flowed together for me. I was broken physically enough that I couldn't act as impulsively as I normally would. And strong women in my fellowship reached out and it was, it was literally extremely painful. And like, I didn't, I, there wasn't a moment where I was like, I'm done forever. It was one day at a time that I said, I can do it until tonight, you know? And, um, that slowly accrued the, the change that happened within me. Um, it was hard earned. And, and, it, and it was painful. Um, the support that I had from my family, as well as the boundaries that they had set in, in addition to the support from stronger women that had been through it with also the physical capacity that I was limited with. Um, and then obviously when the person that owned the house I was living in said, make this a recovery house and call it what you want and do what you want. I was given this freedom to like kind of be autonomous that I hadn't felt in the past. And so it was this like perfect storm of opportunity, love and support 
um, it gave me a purpose. You know, I was no longer just staying sober for me. I had, you know, my best friend with me and then I had another woman come in and I had to go to a meeting even when I didn't feel like it. And I had to do these steps um, in disbelief. So I don't, I, I don't believe, you know, your bottom is when you stop digging. I could have easily continued to dig. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just, it was like one little thing at a time. There were days where I woke up and I was like, I'm going to go pick up. And then I got a call and somebody needed something. So I got distracted and then I forgot. And then I stayed sober. So tell us about Savage Sisters. You said that one day somebody said, make this your own and, and turn this into Savage Sisters. So tell us that story. How did that come about? Uh, so it's kind of, uh, when I was, uh, thrown out that window, I was wearing a dress that said savage <laughs> and it was the only thing that I had from the hospital. I still had it. It was, there was blood on the dress and it was these gold caps letters that said savage. And I cut it out and framed it and put it in my room. And it was a way for me to like mentally remember. So that word was constantly there and I Googled it and the word ferocious stuck out. And, um, the idea behind the title is that we uh, chase our recovery ferociously the same way that we chased our drugs. We interrupt this awesome podcast to tell you about our sponsor, Thai Technology. They are a voice over IP phone company with superior voice services to businesses across the United States. So get this, Thai Technology only takes on referral customers. What does that mean? Their entire client roster is filled with satisfied customers. So why do I love them so much? Because they're the very best when it comes to excellence in customer services. So they're local here in Tampa Bay, but that doesn't mean that they can't service your amazing organization. If you mention this podcast to Thai Technology, you will get the first three months for free. So don't forget to mention the broken road to mental health in life and in business. Thanks for listening. And um, I was, you know, I was in jail twice with this girl, Des. She was like one of my very good friends. And she had called me when I was in that hospital. And she was like, yo, I got this friend from high school. He owns houses. Come live here. It was a first. The only reason I went was because it was a first floor bedroom. Mm. That's it. That's it. I was in a wheelchair. It had a first floor bedroom. I was like, you got it. I'm coming. Um, She ended up relapsing. She actually died. Um, But I was on the first floor. Thank you. I was on the first floor. So the owner called me and he was like, you want to run this? Do you want to turn this into a house? Basically he wanted to be a landlord. And I said, yeah, he come up with a name. I said, okay. I thought about it. Savage sisters. And it was very organic. And I got my first resident and um, it was somebody that I was in jail with Claudia. Um, (laughs) Wow. we were connected, like we knew each other already. And so like we were together every day and then I got another one and I got another one and I got another one. And then we had two houses and then we had three houses. And then I had this, it was like purpose, you know, and um, I'm speaking in rehabs and, and all these people are coming in. And then I didn't like the owner. I didn't like the guy, the landlord. Um, he wanted to do this for profit. And I was like, no, nah, I don't want to do this for profit. I want to do it nonprofit. So I went to my brother and I said, yo, he was like, I'm buying a house. I said, cool, let me rent it from you. Mm. And so he let me rent it. And so then we applied for our nonprofit license and I moved the girl, we went to that house and then now we have the four houses. Um, so we left that one guy because he wanted to do for profit and I didn't want to. And then we went to um, the nonprofit status and got our own houses. 
And in that space now, we offer all of our residents free dual diagnosis trauma therapy, um, yoga, kickboxing, any kind of holistic healing. We have, you know, Reiki masters that come to the house and work with the women and we pay for it. So it, we don't make money, but, but the people that come in, like they get healing, they get this access and they get to be personally autonomous. They get to say, I like this form of healing. I don't want to do talk therapy. I want to do yoga. I have anger issues. I want to do kickboxing. I need discipline. I want to do this. So we, we kind of built this like really cool nonprofit where like we just hand it to people and we say, if you want healing, do this fellowship or that fellowship, but also there's a whole piece that you have to attend and that's your mental health. That's awesome. So how do, so you, do you do like non like fundraisers? How do you support um, having this amazing opportunity for women? Uh, we're very grassroots. It's men and women. The women are savage oh, it sisters. Is. Okay. The men are sir, savages in recovery. I love it. Yeah. Um, we do a lot of community-based fundraising. We've gotten a couple of grants. Um, Great. We're continuing to work on that. It's been slow to go, but like, it's a very big process. Um, but the community has really jumped in and helped us a lot. And that's, we run on donations, literally mm -hmm. everything. So if we have full houses and we pay for, you know, people that have 20 years of experience as trauma therapists, we pay them individually. We'll do a fundraiser on Facebook for X amount of dollars to pay for somebody to have therapy for six months. And doesn't matter what we do the fundraiser for. Some people help with harm reduction supplies. Some people help with funding for kickboxing. You know, it depends on what they're like, oh, I want to help with that. But we've been really blessed. I mean, we could, we need a lot of funding and that's what we're like focusing on now is fundraising, but the universe is giving us what we need right now. So, yeah, that's beautiful. So do you have like house managers there? Is there always somebody there to kind of make sure everybody stays in the house. Yeah. So there's a contract, there's a rules list that everybody signs. They do a full intake when they get there. We have somebody in house that is trained and um, kind of maintains the house. They have a sign in and out sheet. They have chores every day. They have to do a 12 step mm -hmm. fellowship. They have to get a job. There's laptops and printers in the houses. Um, they have to get, as soon as every resident comes in, they have to get a dentist appointment, uh, a regular doctor's appointment, and they have to pick a form of therapy, whatever they want. Um, and they have to get testing for STDs. Um, and also they have to do a dentist appointment because it's, we just, this is it. We've denied our health in every aspect, every way. Yeah. And that's the house manager's role. So they have a significant amount of clean time and they've been trained and they handle the drug testing and um, all that stuff in-house, as well as like helping people line up appointments and helping them get jobs. And um, then we have a property manager who oversees the properties and that property manager reports to me and I oversee all of it. All of it. Yes. Hence why you only had one vacation in a few years. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work helping others. That's for sure. So yeah. how long can somebody stay in one of your houses? As long as they want. I, we have suggestions. Mm -hmm. We don't have rules. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that everybody's, and that's another thing that like my brother and I, my brother is, um, helped me found this organization. Adam and I have, you know, we allow people to advocate for themselves. Some people can come in for three months and get access and build a strong foundation and go out on their own. Some people need a year. Some people need two years. Um, we don't push anybody out. And we also don't say like, Hey, you need to stay for this long. Um, you 
we've had the most success with long-term recovery with people who mm. stay for up to a year. Yeah. And do, is it only for people that live in the state that you're in or people can come from anywhere? No, we've had people come from all over. Mm. Um, we've had people come from Maryland. We had one person come from California. One person came from Missouri. Um, I don't even know how they hear about us. Right, That's great. Do you partner um, with rehabs um, and detoxes in your state and beyond? We don't affiliate ourselves with right. any particular treatment facility, but we accept residents. We do their intakes first um, and, and get a little background on them and explain Savage Sisters and Sir. So, and then they can come, but like we're very detailed in our intake process because Savage and Sir are not for everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if it's the same thing, but I went to a halfway house when I was 19. And um, they call it Poughkeepsie, New York. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I was mandated there by the courts and I was supposed to stay there for three months. And I, I left, you know, against medical advice. And I left after a month because I had suffered terribly from depression. And um, my parents had stopped going to Al-Anon, which was a, a score for me um, at the time. And, uh, and they came and picked me up. But, you know, uh, looking back now, this halfway house was this really great, you know, it was only 30 days, the rehab that I was at prior and I wasn't ready for sure. I mean, and then, you know, now I had some rules to follow and I had to like get along with other humans, which was never easy or <laughs> still to this day can be a struggle, but it really, it taught me, like forced me to live amongst other people that were also trying to better their lives and um, you know, even though I only stayed for a month, knowing that there are places out there that offer because so many people leave rehabs and, and they're not ready or they have nowhere to go. So your space is as a gift. For those that, yeah, it is. Um, for those that are ready for it, it is. I, I don't think that every person that get, I do believe that everybody's recovery process is different. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, not everybody needs that kind of structure, but for people like me, mm -hmm. you know, uh, people that find it difficult in early sobriety to smile or to brush their teeth or to make their bed, mm -hmm. it's probably for you. If simple living seems near impossible, a community setting can help you engage in a way that you would otherwise never enjoy because I isolate when I'm sad, mm -hmm. when I'm in pain. And um, living at the first Savage House for a year and a half, I, I was forced to communicate and I was forced to engage. And that forced me to smile and laugh. You know, I had my, my most tremendous laughing episodes happened in that house. Yeah. Um, and the connection that you find, you know, women are often pitted against each other in so many different ways, um, whether it's like, slut shaming or jealousy or competition. There's this very competitive nature that some women experience, um, myself included. And we really try to bring a different atmosphere to the women where we show that there is a strong sisterhood of this shared pain that we have. And you don't have to, um, you don't have to have that negative energy. Um, if you shed those things and you just connect, 
it builds this lifelong strength. There's strength in numbers. And that's what we try to bring them is this like, and for the men at the brotherhood, I can't, I can't do this alone. That was my first step, knowing that I couldn't do it. And so we just hope that that's like the inviting factor for the women and the men that come, like we're here to do this for you and with you. Mm, yeah. Um, I love it. Well, I know that for, you know, suicide, um, attempts were, were big for me in early recovery. And it was certainly not, um, something that was spoken about in that halfway house. Uh, and not to say that anything would have been different, but I, I do know that if somebody had maybe considered or addressed, um, not only the fact that I wasn't going to drink or drug anymore, but also that I couldn't get out of bed, you know, when they asked me to, and I couldn't go out and get a job, um, when they were forcing me to, because I just, I, I was planning to leave the earth, you know, I didn't have that um, kind of support. So I think it's so nice to offer not just one path, because like you said, it's, it's never, it's never one way for everybody that that's what makes us individuals, right? Different uh, human beings need different types of recovery. It's not going to be some people, it's not the 12 steps, you know, I mean, it worked for me and it's still working to this day, but that doesn't mean that I'm not open to everything else that's out there. Whatever helps somebody is, uh, is the best is the best for them. So Sarah, I'm so glad that you're doing this because um, it is much needed in the world. And especially during this time of year when people feel so alone, community is so, so, so important. And um, as much as, as you said, you know, isolation is my life. I mean, to this day, somebody asked me to go somewhere. My first reaction is no. And <laughs> right. But we uh, I've I've learned to practice um, opposite methods of, of what my brain says, because um, I know that without my community and without other people that are going through what I'm going through, um, there's no way I'm, I'm ever going to be able to fight the demons that try to keep me down. So so, Sarah, thanks for being here and thanks for um being a part of, of recovery world and helping others. It is, a uh, it is much needed. And all of the information about Sarah's nonprofit, I, I highly recommend everybody checking it out. There are many ways to donate. So get in there and help somebody else. One of the best things that we could do to, uh, for our own recovery is to be of service to others. So thank you for being of service to us, Sarah. Thank you guys. Thank you. Don't forget to check out Thai Technology. Anyone that mentions this podcast or the Facebook show will receive three free months of service. T-I-E Technology. Check them out.